You're listening to Sibling Talk, commentary from a progressive point of view. Now here are your hosts, John Paulette and Mary Jo Tumer. Hello, I'm John Paulette. And I'm Mary Jo Tumer. Yeah, Mary, a lot of people may forget that the when the country was young, you know, it began with no political parties and George Washington did not like political parties, but they began to foam, form uh, uh, pretty quickly. And one of the really major ones uh, was called the Whigs, W-H-I-G-S. There actually was a Whig party that was very important in England. Uh, only the name's the same. They didn't really believe anything. The Whigs really emerged uh, in opposition to uh, President Jackson, Andrew Jackson. Before that, there's been what we've called the Federalists, kind of the John Adams people, and then the Democratic Republicans, which were uh, Thomas Jefferson people. The Federalists are, are never a really organized group. Democratic Republicans, they will become Democrats, uh, are and the Whigs uh, then become a really, really important party. Not for all that long, though. Uh, by the time of the Civil War, actually by 1856, the Whigs have begun to uh, lose organization. They come down on the wrong side of several issues. They have some just absolutely terrible presidential uh, candidates. You might want to think in terms of uh, Zachary Taylor, Franklin Pierce, you know, not some legendary guys at, at all. And the Whigs dissolve and they go away. That's not something that has happened very often in this country. I mean, there have been things like the Know Nothing Party, the Bull Moose Party, you know, that have organized for a little bit. But for most of modern history, Democrats and Republicans have, have dominated it. I'm wondering if we are going to see that bit of history come back again. Are the Republicans who today are going to vote to expel uh, from leadership, not from the party, uh, Liz Cheney, because she says the absolutely unforgivable that Donald Trump lost the election and Joe Biden is president. What do you think? What's happening with Liz Cheney? What's happening with the Republicans? All right, before I do that, I just want to I think it's as much of a question as it is a comment on the history that you lay down. I always think of our system as requiring two parties, like it's a two-party system, and it's why a third party can never really arise. But that's not really true, is it? It's not like built into the Constitution that we're a two-party system. In other words, the, the people will split into two groups, which means two organizing principles for the basis of creating policy and governing the nation. I think not only is it not built in, there are aspects of our system that favor three parties. And I'm thinking in particular, uh, three parties running a state uh, in election for president, even though uh, the leading party may only get 38%, they get all the electors. They don't mm -hmm. need a majority to, to do that. Uh, you know, the, the country has been kind of afraid of the coalition building that's characteristic of parliamentary systems, but there's no reason why we couldn't have uh, a vital third party. And now I think 
this part of history is changing. Because the parties have become more and more to the extremes. I mean, the Republican Party is clear, but the Democratic Party is becoming more progressive than it's been maybe since the early early 70s, I suppose. It's left a huge hole for a centrist party that the Republicans kind of used to fill in a way. And then by the time of the Clinton era, the Democrats had kind of become part of the centrist party. So, I mean, is that the point you're making as well? Yeah, I mean, we could is, have three parties. Yeah, because it's an interesting thing, because I think what's happened with the rise of Trump and the folks that have moved to support Trump, and I, at this point I'm talking about the voters, that they may have been folks without a home. And the traditional Republicans felt followed the voters rather than you know, led with their principles, which in a democratic system in and of itself is not bad or wrong, right? I mean, the problem I think we have with Trump is that it's a cult of personality rather than um, coalescing around a, a set of ideas and principles. But I do think that if you're a traditional Republican, or even to your point, um, kind of a conservative Democrat, and those folks do exist, particularly where there are social issues on the Demo Democrat, they support the Democrats' position on social issues, but are more conservative on fiscal issues. Right now, you don't really have a home. And is it possible that um, there is a home for those people in a third party? Because it doesn't look as if right now they're going to be able to take the Republican Party back because of the um, the power, really, of Trump and his uh, cult of personality, his cultishness. So I've been wondering about this in terms of Lynn Cheney. Like, what is her play? What is it that she sees and she believes allows her to step out in the way that she's stepping out? Because I don't think she intends to end her political career. So does she think there is this, now remember we used to call it the third way, or they call the uh, Clinton conservatism third way, but this is like a third way or a third space or something that she feels that her, the uh, Adam Kinzigers, the um, Mitt Romneys, and, and many individuals in the country, many voters would say, this is where we want to be. Because you, without that, we don't have anyone to counter what could become the excesses of the Democrats and the progressive left. Because the Trump folks, they don't have an organizing principle. So they can't, do, do you know, I'm just, I know I'm going on a little bit, John, but uh, McCarthy wrote this letter and, and there's this talk among the Republicans, and I use that word loosely, that they're the party of the working class. That is the same working class that's trying to cut the benefits for the working class. But I think that's the party they see and, and working class being kind of shorthand for uh, white. I, I don't think that's exactly fair, but I do think that's a piece of it. So what happens to the corporate business interests and conservative principles that were generally protected by the Republican Party? It's just really fascinating. Well, it is. And. You know, I'd like to tell Kevin McCarthy, 
you don't achieve a brand if if you want in the sense of we're the party of the working people just by saying it and if you want to check that if mcdonald's came out and spent millions and millions of dollars saying we are the restaurant of fine steaks i mean you could say that but you ain't somebody's going to visit and say no you're the party of pink slime made into ham- hamburgers and you are the restaurant of fast food you're the restaurant of predictable uh time and and service I, it's the same thing to be a brand to have a slogan like that you've got to be able to back it up in action and the american people aren't stupid kevin mccarthy saying that doesn't change what happened with the tax cuts it just simply simply doesn't what i think they are right right now the republicans are you're right they are a cult of personality but they're hard to get a hold of because they are several ever uh, several other things they are in a way the party of white supremacy not that everybody is a white supremacist i know that but the party refuses to condemn white supremacy and so they're welcomed in they are the party of conspiracy theories not everybody is qanon but they do not kick them out check marjorie uh marjorie taylor green uh for example they are the party of the catholic view of cultural issues so the party of abortion anti-abortion the party of anti-lgbt you know you accumulate all these together in this kind of mishmash of things and they're hard for us to get a hold of but each of those groups feel really strongly about them and i think that's the energy that that we as democrats don't always understand why are they so passionate and why are they so willing to excuse each other's faults as long as they get what they want and you know where we hear it is when somebody says yeah i know trump is kind of crazy and everything but we got the judges read abortion and we got the tax cuts read upper class and so i think that's that's what makes them so difficult and also john and we've talked about this it is the anti communist anti marxist party and to the extent that um any group of folks is able to label the Democrats that way, that's very animating. So a group of 124 or something, I don't know why that number sticks in my mind, of uh, former uh, Army, Navy, whatever, military uh, leaders came out and made a statement in support of anybody running against the Democrats, i.e. the socialists. And so the military is like going crazy about this, right? Absolutely. We don't want these guys doing that. But that, as I read about that today, I think it was in the post, I I was thinking this is very animating for people who are very afraid of um, a kind of authoritarianism. Of course, it doesn't make sense because we just avoided the bullet of an authoritarian and the 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 what's left of the Republican Party is fighting so hard to support the big lie, which is from the playbook of an authoritarian, which is you don't need to count those votes because I won. I'm telling yeah. you, I'm the winner. And they're supporting that. So we go back to Lynn Cheney. What's so fascinating about her and her speech yesterday, which was very powerful. 
which is basically we took an oath and the oath to the constitution is you may not like the results of an election, but we accept the results of an election. And then we fight for what we believe in, in the marketplace of ideas. So if you think that Trump should be president again, then Trump should run for president again. And if he wins, he wins. And if he doesn't, he goes home. It's not complicated, but these guys have complicated it because they have to support dear leaders a refusal to accept that he lost. So, you know, when you say the 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 new Republicans, as we can call them, um, they believe this about taxes or whatever, what they also believe is that democracy, the way that it has been practiced for the past 200 plus years and what we've really believed in, which is peaceful transfer of power, you know, <laughs> winner takes all, whatever you want, however you want to describe that, they don't believe that anymore. And that is the greatest threat to our democracy that we've probably seen since the Civil War. So I think there's a bunch of people who are true believers in the Constitution, in the rule of law. I'm thinking about like people like Bill Kristol, uh, George Will, right? Folks like that. Um, that are out there and ready to build an intellectual framework around another political party. So what? this, I mean, we have talked about this on the fringes. This is the first time I think you and I are starting to co coalesce around this idea that that could happen. And how interesting will that be? And, and let's talk about what it needs. By the way, at the end of uh, this broadcast, there is going to be a quiz and quiz rhymes with Liz, <laughs> just a ha helpful little mnemonic. Uh, oh, God. Uh, oh, my gosh. <laughs> that's okay. Uh, the, but think about what a new party would need. And it's worth kind of noting, because you just went right to this point. The overall animating principle of Republicans right now is anti-democratic, and I'll tell you why. They recognize they are going to be a minority power, a party. Therefore, they have had to figure out how do you govern? How do you get the things you want while you're in the minority? And from that, we get voter suppression, redistricting, a whole set of things. But to move to the future, when the Whigs dissolved, the Republican Party uh, emerged, it was not really around a powerful figure. It was around the powerful idea of being anti-slavery. Abraham Lincoln is kind of drawn into that, frankly, by the publisher of the Chicago Tribune uh, as being somebody who can champion that. You know, we're faced now with the question, can a very powerful, dynamic figure, we don't see one on, on the horizon, animate a new party, a third party? I'm going to suggest probably not. That's another cult of personality. Is there an animating principle? Uh, and it's a little tough because being moderate is not always something that makes people's blood, you know, get up to a good, good boil. Maybe saving the democracy, I guess, uh, return to old values, individual principles, maybe a David Brooks kind of character-based republicanism is, is the key to it. I'm not sure. It I know could we're, be, could yeah. be, John, because 
What, who has nowhere to go? It's corporate leaders. They have nowhere to go right now. They can't support Trump because of the, it's so offensive and the racism and all of that. And they're afraid of supporting the Democrats too much. You know, they can support on infrastructure, whatever, but that's not, I mean, you lived in a corporate world. I lived in a corporate world. This is not how they think. They think government should not regulate them too much and shouldn't tax them too much. So though there are people, there are, a con how do I say this? There is a constituency out there for the alternative to what has become the Republican Party. It, the question is, are there enough voters and can they build a, um, a party that speaks to a lot of those people? And you know, it wouldn't surprise me, honestly, it wouldn't surprise no, me. No, it wouldn't. That. And to help them out as we close uh, here, I'm going to suggest to them, if you call yourself like the centrist party, which is kind of a good vanilla thing, you could use this slogan to the American people. Don't be an asshole. You like it? <laughs> oh, my God. I, I think this well, is going to work. point it. Talk to you. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Sibling Talk is a JMP production. Theme song by David Paulette.